Let's get to it. The first what? episode of Letter Jab is live. We're live. <laughs> We're live. You didn't even know it. How you, you doing, Chris? I am doing well, Kevin. How are you, sir? I'm doing great because it's our first episode, and uh, we're going to talk about a great movie, but the listeners are going to figure out which movie in a little bit. But let's dive a little bit into what Letter Jab is going to be, Chris. Tell the people what they're in store for. Okay, people. Welcome to Letter Jab. This is a podcast where Kevin and I are going to discuss movies in detail and just chat about them. We're, we're bored during quarantine. We're looking for just some fun stuff to do. And one of the things that we discovered during this was an app called Letterboxd. Okay, Letterboxd. Sir? Letterboxd. You can find it on the App Store anywhere. But it's uh, it's been really fun using it and utilizing it. Essentially what it is is it's an app where you can rate any movies you've seen on a scale of one to five stars list upcoming movies you want to see. You have a diary that will keep track of what movies you've seen and when, and stats that will tell you who your most seen actor is, what director you've seen the most this year. Uh, It's a social media profile for movie nerds such as myself, uh, such as Kevin. If you want to know what our favorite movies are, you can go to our profiles and watch, look at our watch history. So the last movie I watched was Borat, subsequent movie film, which we're going to get into in just a minute. But before we do, Kevin, how is it in Pennsylvania right now? How's the weather? What have you been doing like over the past few months? What's what's going on, man? You know, I mean, there's only one word I could say since you started off with how's the weather. And I feel like this one word describes everything. Gray. Gray. <laughs> yes. It's gray. It's it very is- gray right now. It is uh, overcast. It's gloomy. And that's what I think the whole state of the world is at this point. Gray. Yes. Yes. It, it is, is very gray. gray. Um, it is very great. The state state of the world right now is kind of weirdly in flux. Uh, last night we had the final round of the debates. Um, we don't have to get too into like the, the, the politics machine, but it's going to be kind of hard to not talk about some things when we, when we go into the movie a little bit, Especially um, this movie. Yeah, but um, but what? But tell the listeners what what have you been doing like over the the past few months? What have you been doing to stay sane? Have you been exercising? Have you been going on runs? What are you uh, doing? Yeah, uh, I've been keeping busy. I mean, you introduced me to this letterbox, so I started binging and watching a lot more films that I probably wouldn't have done if I didn't find the app. Uh, so thanks to you, I'm spending a lot more time on my ass watching some TV, that's for sure. But uh, in the time that I'm not sitting on my ass, I'm going on walks, hikes, you know, exercising. I did a 30-day diet challenge because I was like, oh, man, during this quarantine, there's been too much booze, and I'm going to pack on the freshman 15 again if I uh, don't start doing something about it. So did something about it, but mainly focusing on these movies, our podcast, and my photography at the same time. How about yeah. you, Chris? What are you doing? Ah, uh, things things have been pretty pretty good over here. I'm hunkered down in New Jersey, so essentially right now my uh, my days have just mostly been going on hikes, going on runs when I can. Uh, going for runs every day. Um, thankfully I've lost, you know, like about close to 40 pounds since, uh, since April. So that feels really good. I'm really happy with that accomplishment, but, um, I just maintaining that right now, you know, and existing as we're all existing, you know, existing in the gray, existing in the gray zone, the gray, 
No, existing in the gray sounds like a band name. The whole thing, the whole phrase. Have you, uh, speaking of gray, have you ever seen the Liam Neeson movie, The Gray? I have not. And that's a topic for another time, though. I'm assuming this podcast for sure. Yes. Um, it's a, it's a very fun Liam Neeson movie. He fights wolves. Um, it's, it's, it's just a delightful action romp. Okay. but, uh, yeah, so, like, I've been I've been good, good though. You know, like, every every day has been just talk, talking with friends, talking with family. You know, like, everybody everybody's staying sane and healthy, and that's all I could ask for. That's all we could ask for. And with the word sane, I think it's a perfect segue into talking about this insane movie. Yes. Or, um, yes. And uh, I don't know if you realize this or not. They premiered this uh at the exact time the debate started last night so they they dropped it at like 9 p.m last night i will put it this way i was surprised to see that it was on i went on netflix went on hulu it was just scrolling through trying to figure out something to watch and i said screw it i'm gonna go on amazon and just look and i saw it was on there and i hit play i was like oh man i did not know it was coming out tonight so i was very happy about it and uh let's get into it Right after these messages. episode ever of letter jab and we're here finally to get down to the nitty-gritty of the movie borat borat which uh i'm second borat which is called the second borat subsequent movie film which there was genius is. um genius. i i really loved it you know like because what i'm looking for with any comedy is laughter and i whenever i watch a comedy the more times i laugh the more i'm gonna just enjoy it, you know? And I know that's the same way with everybody, but with a movie like this, where you have so much controversial stuff, so many different scenes are playing out where it's just awkward Sasha Baron Cohen trying to just play pranks on people. A lot of these pranks are pretty gruesome. They're a little uh, inappropriate, but if you're laughing, that's the strength of a good comedy for me, you know? Um, And, yeah, I and, agree with you on that. And I was going to say, you know, with it being a second film, it's very tough to always kind of follow up that first one, you know. So yeah. with with that being said, like, I think this one really did a hell of a job standing up to the first one. Yes. Know? 
Yeah, I um I rewatched the first one. I want to say a month ago, a month month or two ago, because I knew this was going to come out, you know, like, and I wanted to just get familiar with it. This one definitely has better a better story. The first one is just him going across the country, and he's like, "I'm going to kidnap Pamela Anderson," um, and then this one's just like a, a nice father daughter, you know, road movie, and the daughter in this is actually. Super funny. I have no idea who she is, but I I thought she was great. Uh, I actually looked up uh, that up before. Uh, it's Mariah Bakalova or Bakalova. Okay, I'm butchering the last name, but uh, I did look her up. I did want to make sure that with that one scene that was very questionable and took the internet by storm with. Uh, Mr. Rudy Giuliani, if it Mr. was Mr. Mayor actually, Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, I was like, "How old is she really?" Because in the movie, she's portrayed as a 15-year-old. She is 24 in real life, so. But in the movie, she's uh, portrayed as a 15-year-old teenager, you know. And I, I thought it was like you said, a much better story than the first one because it started off showing what his life turned into. After that yeah. first movie and how it really went to shit pretty much. Which was know? great. Which was great. Cause you know, like if, if you're making a hidden camera movie sequel, that is kind of hard to, you know, like go, go out as whatever character it is. Like if you get famous from a movie, it's almost impossible to go out into the real world. Right. Yeah. And with, with a character just like Borat, who's so in, unique, I guess is like a good word for it. You know, like it's like he has that certain look where you're going to see him right away and know immediately, Hey, that's Borat, you know? So I kind of enjoyed that. He was in like random disguises in this. I love, I love that. He's in a fat suit for a lot of the movie. Yes. I I like that too. I do also think it was great because 14 years later, there are some people that probably don't remember him. Maybe didn't see that first movie, you know, because there was times where, like, the guy him giving the guy the haircut, he yep. was Borat doing that, and that guy didn't know who the hell he was, you know. So I thought it was very interesting. But the costumes uh, were definitely top notch in this. Um, there was one moment I don't want to skip too far ahead into the movie, but possibly my favorite, I guess, prank. In the movie, um, the whole concept was in this movie to get a gift to the Mikael Pence. Mikael Penis, pretty much, is the way yeah. he was pronouncing it because he saw him as a womanizer. He was supposed to give him a monkey. The daughter ate the monkey, you know? And so he decided, I'm going to give my daughter to Michael Pence because he loves women. How else are we going to get in these high standards? And they're showing freaking clips of Jeffrey Epstein and Trump together looking oh at God, women. Yeah. And that's how he's like, oh, I'm going to give him my daughter, you know? But my favorite part about it was when he figures out Mike Pence is talking by them and he needs to get in there undetected is what he says. Yeah. And then it cuts to him going into this Republican convention Runs in, in a KKK. <laughs> Ridiculous. I was like, oh, oh. Like, I cringed but started laughing, too, at the same time. Like, I'm like, that is ballsy. Ballsy. I read that um, he hid in the bathroom for five hours. So he did that. He did that bit, and then he just ran into the bathroom with like with like all the makeup and everything, and he just sat there for five hours while people were going in and out of the bathroom. That's um, absolutely 
ridiculous. Speaking of yeah. Epstein, I speaking of Epstein, just because you brought it up, um, I love that Huey Lewis's name changed to Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> yes, I do like that too. That's so stupid. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, that that was pretty crazy. And then it's you you see Mike Pence going up there, and he's like, "Oh, we only have 15 cases of coronavirus in the U.S." And I mean, like, I I didn't want to laugh at that, but at the same time, when you watch it, you're like, "Wow, this was only seven or eight months ago. This happened." Right at the beginning of it all, you know, when they sat there 15 and we are well prepared for it. Yep. But that's uh, a whole nother topic of discussion. Yeah. We're uh, here to talk about movies, which are, which are bright, funny escape escapism, especially like this one. You know, um, I think one of my favorite parts of the movie as well. And I know it was probably one of yours and I want to read a little bit more into it eventually since we just, it just came out last night and we watched it. But when he stayed with, in quarantine with those two dudes, I forget their name. But. It's, I think it's Jim and Bob, if I'm not okay. mistaken. I was um, going to say Jerry and somebody. Okay. But I could be wrong. But those... I really enjoyed their time together. <laughs> uh, I, I loved how it kind of rounded out before they went to the event, like the way to entice a teenage girl. You know how to do it, right? Onions. You have, on- you have onions in this house? Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> I did really enjoy that. Yeah, those two guys, those two guys like um, Borat or Sasha actually lived with them for five whole days in character and they had no idea who he was. Um, I have I haven't read like, you know, like when they when they go to like the um, the rally with them. Um, I don't I'm sure by that point they probably have knew, you know, I have it playing on in the background and that's up right now. That part. Yeah. I, have it too. I, I honestly don't know if they knew because, you know, he goes up there, he sings the song that they wrote together. They actually yep. did that in the five days. So he's performing for them, you know, and they're out there enjoying it, you know, and then they go talk to his daughter and that's why he was there for and he told them. So I don't know if they really knew if it was a movie at that point. Maybe not. They, um, do you remember when this video trended like in like June or July when this happened? Cause he, he did trend. And I think that's when people knew he was starting to make something. No, I did not remember that. Yeah. So like after, after he does like this, this song, he escaped. So in, you can watch the video on YouTube somewhere. He'll, he'll play the song and then he just runs and escapes in a van that was already set up. And when he escaped in the van after that, everybody who was in this crowd, like a, like a big riot protest happened. Um, I, a bunch of people, some people I think got hurt. I, I hope I'm not saying that wrong, but uh, a couple of people did get hurt and just like, it just became like a, like a big, like shouting rally, you know? Gotcha. What you going to do about it? Injecting with the Wuhan flu. <laughs> yeah. That was a, that, that, that was kind of a, a really dicey song. It, I mean, a hundred percent dicey song, but it's funny at the reaction to the song when he says all of them are cheering. Yeah, they're singing it with them. They're singing it with them. They're they're so into it. These these crazy, just supporters of, you know, what they're supporting. <laughs> it's just uh, crazy to look back at too that they're shown in this film and 
like you said, it was at a stage kind of, at least with the Pence, with the 15 cases and what the world was then, what it is now. And it's scary to what it, what it might turn into. In all honesty, like it's such a question mark. You know, you go back to that time when this film was probably being made and you and I were sitting there talking about, yeah, man, we'll be back to normal by July 4th. Don't worry about it. Yeah. We're like, oh, we're going to have our July 4th barbecue. We'll, we'll be able to go take, take a trip somewhere. And then here we are. October's almost done. But you know what? We, we are safe. We're happy. You know, like all, all our family and friends are all good. So that's that's all we can ask for right now. And during these trying times, we just got to just stay positive and, you know, try and try and distract ourselves once in a while, which is why this was the perfect distraction. I love that after the debates, I could just go into this and be like, all right, Sasha Baron Cohen time. Now, now's the time where I could just tune everything out and just laugh. You know, um, and laughter is important right now. It was a perfect time to premiere it, honestly. Perfect time to premiere the movie, I would say. With the debate ending and the election coming up, it was a perfect time to premiere just because of what you said. It was a nice distraction, no matter what side you're on. It kind of is a nice little humor where it's like, all right, we don't need to take this situation too serious right now for this next hour and a half. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to just go back to the beginning for a second. Um, how did you feel that, uh, uh, Azamad is dead and he's a chair? Uh, I actually, you know, I was sitting there thinking, I wish he was maybe in this movie. I wish he was have that interaction, but I do like the fact that, that that's exactly what it was. And like, he's sitting on him and, his little crumb is there and touching yeah. him too. <laughs> I use the word crumb, so it's nice. a little bit more appropriate. Good, good callback. On <laughs> more apropro. More apropro. Um, yeah, he um, he was one of my favorite parts of the last movie. I was really hoping they were just gonna like he was. Do you? I don't know if you remember this, but in the first Borat movie, they they fight in the hotel and then they break up for a while, and you don't. He disappears from the movie for maybe like fifteen minutes, and then when Borat finally gets to L.A., he's just walking, and then uh, Azamad is is a Charlie Chaplin in in the yeah. over over in the Hollywood Bowl or the Chinese Theater. Um, and he's he's just Charlie Chaplin just performing there. I was really hoping something like that was going to happen, where he was just going to stumble across him as a costume character again. I would I would have appreciated that a little bit. And also, did his wife die? Did they mention what happened to his wife from the first movie? Um, I don't recall, but I'm wondering because didn't his neighbor take everything? So, so I'm wondering. Yeah, so like in in the first movie, he's married to like you know like kind of like a his just, wife? just a, yeah like his wife um and she's just a a foreign person in Kazakhstan she has like maybe like two or three lines then during the movie he gets a telegram and the telegram says that his wife died so then and then he high fives the telegram guy and he's like yes. nice you know like he's like he's 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 oddly happy that his, his, his wife passed. Nice. Yeah. Um, but then after that, he meets up with, um, you know, like that, that he befriends that stripper. They get married mm-hmm. and she, she lives with him in, in Kazakhstan. So that lady 
I don't know. I don't know what happens. I'm I'm assuming that the daughter in this is is her daughter. You know what I mean? So I I don't know about that though. You don't think so? You think it might be the first one? I don't think they really put too many too much thought into it. In all honesty, because here's my thought process on it. On it, if it is the hookers, they didn't cast right. Right. Because the hooker was African American. He's Kazakhstan. She looks like she's from straight Kazakhstan. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if that would all... I I really don't think they put any thought into it, in all honesty. But let's talk about this one scene, because it's coming up now in the background, and it did take the internet by storm uh, with uh, Rudy Giuliani's interviews. What was your reaction to it after it went viral on Twitter? And everybody was blown out of proportion to actually seeing the scene. What was your reaction to it? So you texted me that it was happening, I think, two days earlier. Whenever whenever the, the story first broke that this was a thing that was going to happen, you texted that to me. And I, and I told my family about it. And all of them are like, no, nah, I can't be, can't be that bad. Like, like that's, that's so silly. And then when I watched the scene play out, I, I'm, I'm looking at it and... I think he was goaded a little bit into it, you know, like I I think, you know, like the fact that she kind of offered him a drink behind closed doors. He he took the bait, you know, like, like there's no denying he didn't, he took the bait, but I also thought they were trying for that kind of situation, you know? I think that was the point of the whole entire movie too, with him trying to get his daughter to Pence and, yeah, Trump and Epstein. I think that was uh, their whole goal of this to try and get something controversial like that to happen. And you know, just based on Rudy Giuliani's reaction on Twitter before the movie came out and him defending himself, uh, saying he was just tucking in his shirt because of the mic. I mean, yes, granted, that is what he was doing in that photo and whatnot. But as you said, I do think he took the bait. And he said he didn't know it was Borat in his tweets defending himself. He didn't know. Looking at the scene, he had no idea. At lunch today, no at lunch today, my grandma actually asked me a little bit about uh, about this. She she goes, what she goes, what's what's going on with Rudy Giuliani at the moment? And I explained to her like who Borat was, and she just kept asking, why does this guy do this? I'm like, I I don't know. Like it's just. It, it, it's Borat and she just didn't quite un- understand it when I kept describing to her, you know, like, like who Borat is. And then actually funny, another funny story, a few hours later, uh, my grandma called me in and goes, Chris, could you help me out with the TV? Look at the TV. South Park is on. And then she goes, what, what is this? And I go, this is, this is South Park. And it was the episode where Cartman is buying an amusement park. Okay. And he's his mom's buying him an amusement park, and like the the amusement park owners are are saying to them, "Listen, we're we're broke. It's I think it'd be a bad idea if you buy this theme park. Uh, we're not really going to get any more business coming up." And then Cartman goes, "That's fine. I just want the theme park to myself." And the whole the whole thing was him going to buy the theme park so he could ride all the rides and like not wait on lines anymore. I sat and watched that with my grandma for about ten minutes, and she really enjoyed it. That's funny. Yeah. Um, she she goes, what is this animation? She goes, is this show for kids? I'm like, no. Jimmy and I watch it still sometimes. 
That is funny. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, I went on a little detour. It's a little bit of a tangent, but like back to uh, this Rudy Giuliani thing, because the scene's still happening. Like, I made my opinion of this scene, like the fact that he didn't know when Borat actually came in as the sound guy. And based on his reaction to Borat coming in as the sound guy initially, I really don't think he knew this was a movie. The, I, don't the think Bor- he did. I don't think he knew it was the Borat movie. I don't think he knew it. But like you said, they baited him. I mean, she's flirting with him during an interview. She's touching his knee and everything like that. But like he knew exactly what he was doing. He yeah, he he did. So I'm I'm really curious to like what kind of ripples this this might come from with this, you know? I mean, like like this is kind of a a big issue that happen with Rudy and I don't know do you think this this will be something where we might hear more about it in the coming days or do you think like the, it is what it is I think with this scene itself it is what it is but I could see it leading into them looking into other stuff with him yeah cuz uh I mean innocent until proven guilty obviously you know but also don't be naive to the world and how people are as I'll have a, I'll say it. I'll have a tough time believing if this was the first time he's ever done something like that. No, I don't think it, I don't think it was, you know, just the whole pat on the side and you can give me your phone number and your address. Yep. You know, like he had some type of intentions, even if it wasn't just, even if it wasn't for that day, you know, he had some type of intention. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I did like him on Saturday Night Live every once in a while, Rudy. He'd, he'd occasionally come on and guest host, and he was actually kind of funny. But I'm trying to think what else we could talk about with this movie, you know, because I feel like it was a very big political statement on uh, yep. Sasha Baron Cohen's part. Um, in many ways, between America and also other countries and how it is, you know, for women and stuff like that and everything. It it was a very politically stated movie between those two things. And even with religion, uh, I guess that's a scene we could go into. How'd you you enjoy him going into the synagogue with uh, the two Jewish ladies? Um, Very in poor taste. Very, very important. Um, I know that the the woman he talked to, and you know, like who actually was like giving him good advice and stuff. She, I believe, was the one who passed away. Um, did passed okay. away like you know, like I want to say, a few weeks ago or something. I I, I don't want to dive too much into that, but there's something going on. I don't have the article in front of me, but there's something going on where her family is suing him. But the way that she's portrayed in the movie doesn't seem dumb or no, bad. She seems, you, you know what good. I mean. She, she was she, portrayed very good. Honestly. She was portrayed. She was portrayed great. So, like, I don't, I don't really know what the what the what that situation is is bringing to right now at the moment. But something is going along with that. But let's go. Let's let's dissect that scene for a minute. You know, like he comes in with a long nose and just it's it's awful. I, I like. I felt I did feel kind of bad for for those two women being the ones to experience that, you know, like like. But um, she actually gave them pretty good advice, you know. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think it was kind of funny how like he went back to 
talking about the Jewish people because he did that in the first movie, you know, but then come the end with they got rid of the running of the Jew at the end of the movie, and it is Donald Trump running at that point now, you know, so they kind of, in my way, in my mind, in a twisted-ass backwards way, changed their view on the Jewish people, it seemed like. Now now they're all about the the running of the Americans, yeah. <laughs> which, which made me laugh pretty well. Now, you know, the one thing I did not see coming that I thought was an awesome twist was the portrayal that Borat is the one that spread coronavirus oh everywhere yes. because yes. he was in a cargo ship and when he was injected. They, I, I didn't even see that coming. I saw them inject him and I didn't even think anything of it, dude. Me neither. Didn't even think anything of it in the beginning. And then when it all came back at the end and he's the one that spread coronavirus because he was on that cargo ship going to each frigging country. Going to Wuhan, <laughs> Italy. Every single, like, I was like, oh, man, that's funny. I love that. Uh, the I didn't even put two and two together that, uh, like, he was coughing in those scenes on stuff and everything, too. Like, it just seemed all natural. Yeah. Um, I love that Tom Hanks showed up for like that, like, ooh, like two seconds right there. And you just see him just and he's coughing, coughing on, on. Yeah. <laughs> I want to, I want to be the, I want to listen to that phone conversation where Sasha Baron Cohen calls Tom Hanks. Hey, so here's the plan. I'm going to cough on you. <laughs> right. You're going to, you're going to be in my movie for two, two seconds. I'm going to cough on you, ask you for your autograph. I want to know how much Tom Hanks got paid for that. Varies. It could be all right. So there's th- there's three ways where it could have gone. One would be free. One would be at scale because he didn't have any lines in it. So at scale means like it would be like something like three hundred bucks. You know what I mean? Like it would be something where like he'd go for like you know like forty five minutes, maybe have a snack and then leave kind of deal. Yeah. Um, the third would be. You know, like like maybe Sasha Baron Cohen's like here, here's here's twenty grand, Tom Hanks, but I don't think that's that's what it would have been. I think it was probably free, is my guess. If I had to guess, uh, I don't I don't know because I feel like actors of his stature might be like, oh, you want me to make a cameo? I'm charging you this much. It's kind of I look at it in the sense of like, since I know music a little bit more with the music realm and f- artist features, you have to pay them an X amount of money to come onto your onto your stuff because if they're in big standing, it's going to only help you out. Do you, uh, do you remember Deadpool two with Brad Pitt? No. So in Deadpool two, there's like, you know, like this montage where Ryan Reynolds is recruiting everybody. He's recruiting members for his team and then they get all killed. They all get killed in a spectacular fashion. So one of the guys he recruits is like the invisible man. Right. And, um, all you see is just this parachute, jump out of like, you know, like the helicopter or like the plane that they're in going, no body, the parachute glides into a, uh, electrical wires or like power lines. And then when that happens for half a second, you see Brad Pitt getting electrocuted. It's so quick. Like I'm not, I'm not surprised. Like you, you didn't notice that, but he was only paid like $250 for the day. It was one of those things where he showed up, got a snack and left. Like the director just called him and was like, Hey, like if, if you have like, you know, like 40, you could be in and out in 45 minutes. If you do this, it's, it's probably my favorite cameo in any Marvel, anything. It's pretty funny. Yeah. 
Um, I'll send, after we're done with this call, I'll, uh, I'll send you that link. It's pretty funny. So overall, man, we've kind of touched base on all the talking points. I feel like with this movie, um, what would you rate it? I did see your rating on Letterboxd, but figured I'd ask you anyway. What would you rate it? I'm a, I'm between a three and a half and a four. I think I'm leaning more towards the three and a half. It's very good. Uh, it's something I would definitely watch again. Um, but coming from rewatching Borat the first time, if I'm measuring that up, Borat, I gave four stars, right? Um, yeah. Borat's the, the first one is hysterical. It's great. You know, like there's, there's a lot of things to really pack in with that first one. And I don't think that it, it hit the bar for the second just yet. You know what I mean? I yeah. think, I think as far as the second movie goes, I thought it was very good, but not as good as the original. Uh, I'm right in the same realm. I was sitting there thinking to myself, you know, if there was more than just three and a half and four and I could give it a decimal, I'd probably go like a three, seven or so. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, do I round up? Do I round down? So I'm right there in the same realm, but I'd probably lean more towards the uh, three and a half for sure. Yeah, I'm trying to when I when I rate stuff now, I'm trying to just keep it honest, you know. So like if you if you listeners, if you've downloaded the Letterboxd app, as I mentioned before, it's on a scale of one to five stars. And um, f- the way that I rate movies is three means I liked it. Three means I took something away from this movie. I left learning something. If it's anything less than that, um, I odds are I won't really recommend it to somebody unless it's like like the perfect trash movie where you could just like watch with your friends and just make fun of it. Yes. Uh, I'll say that's probably the same rating scale as mine for sure too. So, you know, for instance, anything Pete Davidson's in will probably never get recommended by me. So sorry to people that like them. And for the people that haven't downloaded Letterboxd, download it. Follow us. I'm Kephog89. And and I am Portrait of Daily, uh, Kevin. Before before we go, I have a I have a fun idea that would be like a fun way to like wrap up this week. All right, um, let's wrap it up. Let's do it. Yeah. Um. Or I'm I could talk to you all day, so we can we what's, can keep this going as long idea? as we want. My fun idea is: what movies have you watched this week that you would recommend to people? Man, putting me on the spot. Doesn't have to be this week. Like, if there's anything you've seen in the past month where you're like, "Hey, this was a damn good movie." Because, like, I was lo- I was looking at my letterbox stuff, and I have uh, I have some fun ones like that I well, think would be fun to share with you and the listeners. Some of the movies that we said that we're going to talk about um, would be on there for sure. So, uh, to go, I would say definitely a watch. Uh, yes, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, let me look at my list real quick. Um, American Ultra I will say watch I really did dig that one uh, During this time of binging stuff And I would say uh, probably Drive As well Those would be my, drive. Those would be my uh, three recommendations right now I have a friend who um, who told who told me and a group of other people that he'll put on drive whenever he wants to do something creative, whether it's like writing music, writing, writing, you know, like like some some screenplays or anything like that. Drive is his number one go to movie. And for good reason. The soundtrack in that is is excellent. I think it's one of Ryan Reynolds best roles. Um, I really need to rewatch drive because drive drive is fantastic oh and i would also put a fantastic mr fox 
up there as well. There's I got to finish. I got to finish that. I watched um, a half hour of it when you first told me about it and I loved it. I thought it was, I thought it was really, really well done. So that's, that's something I should definitely try and watch in the next couple of weeks. And then we can talk about it. I, so I'm down. Three recommendations for these people. What's that? Three recommendations. What are your three movie recommendations? Okay. So this I past week. Okay. So, so, so I mean, it's three movies, but I would definitely recommend this. It's called the Before Trilogy, so it's with it's with Ethan Hawke and it's a Richard Linklater movies. He um he did Dazed and Confused. He um he did Boyhood. He's he's done a lot of different things. But um one of the one of the cool things about it is the first one's called Before Sunset. Okay, and the idea is. Let's say you're out somewhere like, like Kevin, let's say, for example, you went to Philadelphia by yourself in the middle of the day, right? Um, You know, you're going to be there all night. You don't know anybody in town. What do you do? You decide to walk around town, see what you can like kind of, kind of stumble across and what you, you can make your night out of, right? I feel like a lot of people in their lives might have a night similar to this where you might meet somebody, you know, like you might see, meet somebody casually and right away you develop a thing, right? So this movie before sunset, Ethan Hawke meets a girl on a train and when she meets the girl on the train, there's an immediate connection. And then Ethan Hawke goes, I have a wild idea. Uh, I'm staying in Vienna. I don't have a hotel room. My plan is to walk around until my flight leaves at 7 a.m., do you want to come and hang out with me and have a date? And then the movie just plays out the whole, the whole, their date, you know, and it's just an hour and a half of just them conversing about life. And I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was a really beautiful movie. I definitely have had like, like a night or two like that where I just met somebody on a whim. You're a sap, man. Dude, it it was I loved it. I it was Portrait I, I gave it five stars. about the rom-com, rom-com. Dude, it, it wasn't it wasn't a comedy really. Like I mean there there were a couple Did you laugh? There. Did you laugh? No. Um I did uh I did get close to tearing up at what part? Oh man. Um but it's 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 easily a movie you could either watch by yourself or, you know, like watch with your girlfriend, wife, uh or husband or boyfriend, you know. Your significant um, other your significant other. Uh, yeah. So it, I loved it. And then, so there's a trilogy of them. So there's this first one. I'm going to tell you what the second one's about, but I'm not going to tell you what the third is. But, um, so in the second movie, so it's like the the first movie, they have this, this crazy long date night. One guy's from America. Girl is from France. Right. And then they just randomly run into each other nine years later. Um, is the second one. And then I won't tell you what the third one is, but I, I gave two of, out of the three of them, five stars. Okay. Yeah. So highly recommended then for those yes. people. Yes. And then, um, another thing that, um, that I watched like also in the past couple of weeks, I really wanted to recommend, uh, you cannot kill David Arquette. It's a documentary about David Arquette going into wrestling. So, okay. so when, uh, ready to, ready rumble to rumble. Came up, he became the WCW champion. Had no idea that was a thing. But when when that happened, it was clearly just a promotion thing. All the fans turned on David Arquette. They were like, you know what? Like, like screw this guy. He's he's ruining wrestling, and rightfully so. I mean, it, it was just a promotional gag. And David Arquette was the WCW champion for two whole months. So after he became WCW champion, WCW folded. 
Um, everybody yes. stopped watching, and David Arquette was a big reason of that. So the documentary is him deciding to, instead of act, goes to Tijuana, Mexico, and street wrestles, and he street wrestles in an independent wrestling circuit where he's literally wrestling in front of cars on an expressway. And it, I gave it five stars. I, it was incredible from start to finish. And the, the whole movie is him just saying like, Hey, I love wrestling and I just want the world to know it. And it's, okay. it's kind of, it's kind of badass. Um, so I think you could rent that. I think I rented it for like maybe five bucks, but it, it totally worth the watch. Uh, definitely. will watch that. One. I got to re I'll watch ready to rumble before watching it though. Yeah, you should. Um, for sure. It was quite wonderful, but yeah, it was a pleasure talking to you. Always is Kevin with the movies. I'm looking forward to getting another episode out. So thank you everybody for listening. If you made it this far, uh, follow us on all social media at letter jab on Facebook and Twitter, letter jab podcasts on Instagram. Um, you can follow me on letterboxd Kevin Kev hog 89. Portrait of daily on uh, letterboxd portrait of daily on Instagram. Daily Bear on Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miller Shoots, like photography, S-H-O-O-T-S. Till next time, gang. Yeah. Yeah.